Today's scripture reading is from Romans 8, verses 35 through 39. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Please stand as we honor God with his word. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the living God. Please be seated. What is the strongest bonding agent in the world? Well, if you're handy in the home and you've got uh, little things that need to be fixed, you might say that it's super glue. Super glue that'll connect anything together. And at 67 cents or 87 cents a tube, uh, that's a pretty good deal, wouldn't you say? However, if you have a big project, super glue is just not going to cut it. I mean, for instance, what if you have a, a table? And the legs on the table are shaky, and you need to glue that back together, or maybe the, the rungs on a chair. Super glue is not going to do that, but you know what will? Gorilla glue. Gorilla glue, I don't know, it's plastic, wood, it, it, it'll do anything. $15 a bottle, but it'll last you for a long time, and it'll hold forever. Well, maybe not, but it'll hold for a while. Anyway, however, if you have machinery or you have uh, something that, that needs to withstand heat and cold, stress and strain, Gorilla Glue is not going to cut that. You're going to need an industrial bonding agent. Something like Scotch Bond Universal Adhesive. Yes, $135 a bottle, $135 for that, but it's going to last. It'll take heat, it'll take cold, it'll hold just about anything except a 17 and a half ton truck. Now, if you want an adhesive that is the World Guinness Book of Records for withstanding everything, the strongest bonding agent in the world, then you need Delo glue, the bottle there on the end. Delo glue, 
I couldn't find a price for it, but if you need something to hold up a 17 and a half ton truck, that will do it. Three grams. That's all it took. Three grams of that stuff to hold up that 17 and a half ton truck. That is the Guinness World Book of Records. You're looking at it right there. But our text today speaks of a bonding agent that far exceeds any of those things. The love of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Apostle Paul lays out an unbelievable guarantee, declaring that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. And so I want you to consider then our theme, that the incomprehensible love of God secures his heirs. Why is it incomprehensible? Because how could we possibly comprehend the fact that we, as enemies of God, could be brought into his family, adopted into his family, and kept for all of eternity as his? Incomprehensible love of God that secures us as his heirs, the children of God, for all of eternity. Now, chapter 8 of Romans begins with those great words, no condemnation. It also then ends in these concluding verses with that promise of no separation. But how do you move from no condemnation to no separation? In the defense in Christ of God's children. Jesus Christ defends us from anything that would seek to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Let's think about that. We've been studying our way through this eighth chapter. Reflect on some of those things that we are told about how Christ Jesus defends us from anything that would try to separate us. In verse 2, for instance, we are told that the law of sin and death, which should have condemned us, that that is overcome by the law of the spirit of life that sets us free in Christ Jesus. And then there's verse 3. It informs us that God overcame the condemnation that we rightly deserved by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Verses 4 to 11, we learn that the Spirit of Christ produces righteousness in us who walk after the Spirit and guarantees that we have eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verses 14 to 16 promise that the Spirit of Christ adopts us as the children of God. Verses 17 to 25, we saw that as children of God, we are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. Fellow heirs of all of God's blessings, of all that God has promised to us. That through Jesus Christ, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the groaning that we have, we retain an eternal hope in heaven because of Jesus Christ. A hope where there be no suffering, no pain, no death. And then verses 26 through verse 30. In those verses, we rejoiced that the Spirit of Christ is working in that suffering as the Spirit groans for us 
lining us up with God's perfect will. And He does so because we are the elect that God foreknew, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. Which brings us to verses 31 to 34 last week. There we saw the guarantee that the elect will never, ever be condemned and will be safe and secure in Him. Why? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus paid it all All to him we owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but he washed us white as snow. Now we come to this incredible and all-important question that we see in our text today in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Think of that. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? In light of every promise given, every action taken by God that's been explained to us so far in the book of Romans, and especially here in chapter 8, who can separate us from a love that God set on us before the foundations of the world were ever put in place? Who can separate us? No one. Why? Because Jesus Christ defends us against everything that could be thrown at us. Now I want to quickly outline three ways that this love of Christ defends us, this eternal love of Christ. The first thing that we see in our text is that the love of Christ is indestructible. Indestructible. Think of that. You know, we we saw the truck there, right? Delco adhesive holding up a 17-and-a-half-ton truck But what would happen if you put another ton on there? Mm, It might not hold up to 18 and a half tons. Or what would happen if as they were doing this, preparing for the Guinness World Book of Records, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, springs up a, a 40, 50, 60 mile an hour wind. Boom! A gust of wind comes blowing in. That bond most likely would not have sustained both the weight and the force of that wind. But listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us, the catastrophes that we face, that Christ defends us from through his love. Verse 35, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? You see, Paul knew exactly what he was talking about because he had experienced all of those things. And he knew that Christ's love had held him through all of that. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, Five times I received at the hand of Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift in the sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. And danger from the Gentiles. Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Through it all, held by the 
defending power of the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus holds us in his hand through his blood by his life. The Apostle Paul did not endure those things because he was an apostle. He didn't endure them because he was some kind of a superman. He endured them, he tells us elsewhere, because the love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ holds me to this. He explained what he meant by that when he added in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He added to the list of what he had just told us in chapter 11. He says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, strong in the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus warned that as long as we are in this world, we are going to face trouble. But then he gave us that tremendous promise. Don't worry, though, because I have overcome the world. The promise isn't just for Paul. The promise is for all who are the heirs of God. For all of us who are his children. For all who have been born anew by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So that we can withstand any issue, any problem that comes against us. Some preachers teach that that there's going to be a a, a tribulation, seven-year tribulation off in the future. But don't worry about it because God is going to take us out of here. He's going to rapture us away and we won't have to go through that tribulation. The Apostle Paul would scoff at that. The very first enemy he lists that Christ has overcome is tribulation. What kind of tribulation? Well, tribulation that brings distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, the very things that they say we're going to escape from in the future. Those are the very things that Paul says Christ will cause us to be faithful in the midst of those. He will defend us from that. By Christ's love, we will remain faithful. Christ's love is indestructible through tribulation. But there's a second thing that he tells us about Christ's love. The love of Christ is inalienable. Inalienable. Yes, that is an actual word. You know of it, right? You've heard of it before. But what does it mean? It means incapable of being surrendered or transferred. Incapable of being surrendered or transferred. In other words, it's another way of saying we are eternally secure, kept by Jesus Christ, bonded forever in him by the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Declaration of Independence argued that all human beings have inalienable rights. What rights are those? They're the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In many nations, the majority of people do not experience those rights of life, liberty, 
the pursuit of happiness. They don't enjoy those, and even here in the United States of America, they're whittling away at those rights. The Scripture guarantees for us the inalienable rights of Christ's love for those who believe in Him. The American Revolution occurred because patriots believed in those inalienable rights, believed in them enough to fight for them and even die for them. As Christians, we have the inalienable, untransferable, eternal love of Christ. And even if we're martyred for the sake of the gospel, death cannot separate us from his love. In verse 36, the apostle quotes from Psalm 44, verse 22. He says, as it is written, (coughs) for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. If you're following your devotions this week, I think three out of the five devotions this week are about this verse, about being sheep to be slaughtered. The psalmist wrote those words because of the trials and tribulations that the people of God of his day were going through. The struggles that they were facing, the hardships and the dangers that the enemies of God were bringing against the people of God. It's so important to see, though, the first three words from Psalm 44, verse 22. For your sake. Redure these things for your sake, for God's sake. If the enemies of the gospel put to death the perfect Son of God, what makes you and I think that we should escape from that? That we should be immune? And the world loves darkness rather than light because its deeds are evil. Jesus warned his disciples not to fear what man could do to you He said, because the most that they can do to you is kill the body. And you and I, we look at that verse and we go, yeah, but that's a lot. (laughs) Killing my body, that's, uh, that's a pretty important kind of thing, you know. But let me remind you, every day, especially now in a particular culture that we're in, a police officer, when they put on their badge, They know they're going out in the streets and somebody may want to take their life. A recruit signs up for the armed services knowing that there's a possibility of war and therefore the possibility of death. They do that for the safety and security of their city or of their nation. Are you willing to do that for the sake of of God's kingdom? Are you willing to do that for the sake of the one who has set his love on you before the foundations of the world were even set in place? If they are willing to die for the material world, are you willing to suffer in this life for the sake of eternity? See, as Christians... We live every day knowing that we're facing dangers. We're facing turmoil and even the possibility of being slaughtered, of martyrdom. 
But we know that Christ's love defends our inalienable right to the eternal life through the love of God bestowed on us in Jesus Christ. The inalienable right that is not transferable because God gave it to you, gave it to me specifically. There's a third truth that we see about this love of Christ, and that is that the love of Christ is intentional. Remember back in verse 17, we read that we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, that we may be glorified with him. The following verses after that explain what that suffering was like. That creation is suffering. That we are suffering. That creation is groaning. That, that we are groaning. Through the natural disasters of creation and through our own inward groaning, the children of God face temptations. We face trials. We face persecutions. We even face the sword. But we found that God was at work in all of those things so that you and I might be conformed to the image of His Son. And now, in verse 37, we read, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The reason we do not quit is not because we are strong, but because He is strong. The reason that we do not stop being faithful is because He is faithful in all things. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. In all what things? Well, certainly in all the sufferings, the sufferings that that we have endured and, and are going through, certainly those things, because that's what He has talked about. But even more so, God is working in all of those things because He has foreknew us, predestined us, or elected us, that He has called us, He's justified us, and He glorifies us. What great promises we have. God working in all those disasters all of those sufferings, all of those dangers, working in all of that for our good and His glory in us. So my friends, don't focus on life's trials. Don't look at the problems and the issues of your life and try to figure those out. But instead, let's do what the writer of Hebrews says that we should do. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Wow. Lay aside those weights and the sin. What are the weights? The weights are the trials. The weights are the tribulations. Set them aside in Jesus Christ. And keep your eyes fixed on him. We are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. 
that we may be glorified with him. Jesus Christ is our defender through his love proved at the cross and in the power of the resurrection. How great the love of Christ for us, the defender of our faith. But we need to remember that it is the Father who sent the Son to be the defender of our faith. God is the one that this is all about. So pay close attention to the fact that our deliverance is in God. The deliverance in God is our sure reward. And that's why Paul opens up these final two verses of our text with a declaration. For I am sure. For I am sure. The King James says, for I am persuaded. Persuaded. Convinced. Sure. Sure of what? He was convinced and sure that God could deliver him from whatever would be thrown at him. No condemnation. God had no intention of letting his children go for any reason to anyone or anything. In these two verses, we see another three truths. This time, truths about God's love for us. The first is that the love of God is immense. How far is the distance of the east to the west? The Bible says that's how far he's removed our sins from us. No condemnation. As far as the east is from the west, that's infinity. It goes on and on forever and ever. How high is height from depth? That's how much God loves us. According to Ephesians 3, it is impossible for us to measure the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. We may think the universe is infinite in size. Look at this one view of the sky, and you see it looks so immense. So many stars, and that's just one small frame of the whole of the universe. But God's love is greater than all of that. Paul writes in verse 38 and 39 about this immensity of God's love. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth. Here are six things that he talks about. Three comparisons. Death to life. What a vast difference between those two things, isn't there? Between death and life. And yet death cannot separate a person from the love of God. Why? Because God's love is eternal. Death is simply a a passing through of a gate into the eternal presence of God for all the rest of eternity. And what about life? All the tribulations and sorrows and sufferings that we go through in this life. Paul writes, for me to live is Christ. 
For me to live is for the glory of God, and to die is gain. And the things present are the things to come. Peter tells us a day with God is like a thousand years, and a thousand years as if but a day. But we're not God. We live in the present. And we face the issues that we face each and every day. The trials and the tribulations. And those things want to unseat us. They want to overthrow us. They want us to doubt. They want us to fear. They want us to give up. And those pressures are placed upon us day after day. We've often said that in this world, we have temptation. That's what Satan wants everything that happens in your life to be, a temptation to pull you away from God. But God says, no, those aren't temptations, those are trials. What's the purpose of a trial? To purify. And so what Satan means for evil, God means for good. God at work in us, through his love, the things present, but what about the things to come? What about the future? How many of you fear tomorrow? How many of people worry about where they're going to be and what they're going to do? And they spend their time worrying about those things. And what does Jesus say about that? He says, worry about today because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> okay? Don't get all caught up with that. But why shouldn't we worry about tomorrow? Because the same God who is present with us today is the God who is present with us tomorrow. And his love will not change all the way to eternity and beyond. Yes, things present, things to come. And then he says, nor height, nor depth. What's the height is he talking about? Is he, is he talking about heaven and a depth hell? Or perhaps he's talking about heaven and Sheol, Sheol being the, the place of the dead. Height nor depth. But Psalmist says, where can I go to escape your presence? And then his answer is, there's, there's no place I can go. If I go to the highest mountains, you are there. If I go down to the, the deepest parts of the earth, you are there. If I go into Sheol itself, you are there. For those who are his children, because God has set his love on us, he is ever-present with us. And therefore, we see second, that the love of God is indiminishable. Now there's a new word for you. It cannot be diminished. God's love is immense, but look at all the things that God has to love. Might it get watered down as it's spread out over all of those things that he has to love? Well, consider the four other items in this list. For I am sure that neither angels, nor rulers, nor powers, nor anything else in all creation... How many angels are there in heaven? The Bible says thousands times thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. In other words, innumerable. 
That's a lot of angels. God loves them. And how about mosquitoes? I wonder how many mosquitoes there are in the world, or how many ants are there in this world? Ladybugs, snakes, lizards, alligators, you name it. And the Bible tells us that God loves his creation. He loves those, those creatures that he has made from the tiniest to the largest. God loves all of those. But his creation isn't limited just to living things. God loves all of his creation. That means all of those stars that we saw in that picture and all the stars in the whole of the universe that he has created and all the planets and all the moons and all the meteors. God loves it all. He has created it. Could the love of God be distilled by having to love so many things and still have enough left over for the elect? The answer is God's love cannot be distilled. It is indiminishable because it is infinite. Because God can love an infinite number of people and things without diminishing his love in any way or shape. But, but, but what about God's wrath? I mean, God's wrath towards the rulers, those, those demonic powers, or anything else in all of creation. Those evil powers set against us. God has to have wrath against them. Does that somehow pollute God's love? Does his having to extend out his power of wrath, does that somehow draw away his power of love? Paul says, not in the slightest. God hates perfectly, and he loves perfectly at all times. He can destroy his enemies and save his elect without working up a sweat. His love is indiminishable. But third... The love of God is also immovable. You know, I used to believe that there was something that could separate us from the love of God. Me. That I could separate myself from the love of God. That I could fall away from God's grace. That I could be lost. I grew up being taught that I could turn away. And that these verses talked about external things. But they didn't talk about my heart and my choosing. I don't believe that anymore, mostly because I don't believe that I'm stronger than God. Our study in the book of Romans has shown us one thing, and that is I did not get saved because of anything that I did. That God opened my eyes and my understanding, that God poured his love into me in Jesus Christ, that I was born again by His Spirit and given life by His Spirit. God did it. Not because of anything in me of value. From eternity past, we've learned that God set His love on us. Before the world was even created, and His love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And that's why verse 38 begins with the words, 
For I am sure that nothing, I am sure that nothing, and then it ends with the guarantee, therefore, who will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Hmm. I am sure, I am certain, I am persuaded, I am convinced that nothing can separate me. Now, let's think about what it would mean if I would turn away. What does, what does that mean? It would mean that something external from me would tempt me to do so. Demonic temptation, power of Satan sent against me to, to, to turn me away from him, distresses, persecutions, tribulations, danger, sword, that those are the things that would cause me to turn away. And yet we have just read that the love of God through Jesus Christ won't allow that to happen. That they've already overcome all of those things. And so I would not turn because Christ would not turn. Because he will not let go. Our deliverance from sin and death come because God's eternal love revealed in the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place, brought me into a relationship with Him so that I became adopted into His family. I am an heir of God. And no suffering, no groaning can turn me away from that because God is using that, turning everything for the good of fulfilling His purpose in me so that I might be conformed to the image of His Son. Nothing then can separate me. Glorious truth that begins this chapter, no condemnation, telling us that we are justified freely in the blood of Jesus Christ, given the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that's at work in you and in me. great deliverer, no matter what comes against us, will not allow anything to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The guarantee of this passage is the incomprehensible love of God that secures his heirs for all of eternity. That's the promise. And if you're here today and you have not experienced that love, then what is preventing you? Come to Him. Turn to Him and be saved. Let the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead raise up your dead spirit as you turn and trust in this one who died so that you might be forgiven. And that you might receive the full eternal love of God forever and ever. And so I ask you, maybe you've never turned to Christ in the past. What hinders you from doing so? Just your own suppression of the truth. But you've heard the truth today. 
then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. In conclusion, have you comprehended the deep, deep love of God for his children? A love that neither height nor depth, neither present nor the future, neither angels or demons or anything else in all creation could separate you from. Will you turn to him and trust in him today? And if you are a Christian, why do you wander back and forth? Why do you let the winds of doctrine cause you to to shake? Rest in him. Put your roots into that great love that says there is no condemnation because there is no separation from his love. Have you experienced this new birth that immerses you in the love of God? If not, call on him today. And if you have, then put your roots deep into that great, great love of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father and God, build your church today in the grand foundation of truth that we have found in this chapter, that we might rest in tremendous confidence, and therefore when struggles and trials and tribulations and temptations and distress and danger and sword when it comes against us, rather than falling, that we might stand with the deliverer, Jesus Christ, giving us power and strength by his own spirit, because God has loved us all of eternity. We ask it in his precious name. Amen.